Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. Michelle, this is Paul, this is my husband, and we direct Crossroads Leadership College, and we get to speak to you this morning. We're so pumped by that. <laughs> so um, we want to start off by just <laughs> um, telling you a little bit about ourselves, our family. We have three incredible children. One is, our first one is Isaiah, and we have a few pictures on, to put on the screens for you. So Isaiah is five years old. He is like the kindest, most sweetheart. Like Paul likes to say, he's everything that you like pray that your kid is that you weren't. So like, you know, like he has just the heart for people. He's so kind. He, Nessa, our second child, takes advantage of him in this. <laughs> so <laughs> Nessa, she'll be like, Isaiah, do this. Isaiah, throw this trash away. And he'll do it. And then until you realize, he's like, I don't want to throw your trash away. And we're like, Isaiah, you don't have to listen to her. <laughs> like, you, you can tell her to throw her own trash. But she's incredible. This is Nessa. She is going to change the world for Jesus. She is tenacious. She is bold. And I just know that she is going to just do incredible things. And then our baby is Judah. And I know. Oh. <laughs> He just has blue, blue eyes. He's so sweet. He just turned one. So they're five, almost four and one, and we absolutely love them. And they're going to help us preach our sermon today. With a, We're going to start with a story. Yeah, so I have the privilege of watching my kids um, alone on Mondays and Tuesday nights. Michelle teaches dance. And so there is no zone defense when it's one verse three, like they win, right? Like majority of the time I'm like, hey, it's okay. Hey, let's just not get too much trouble. And like I said, my middle child, Nessa, has the ability to make things um, difficult. <laughs> and so she, um, while I'm sitting out in the living room playing with uh, Judah, because right now we're trying to get him to stand. We do one, two, three stands, and then we count how long he stands. And so I'm doing things like that with him. Isaiah is probably watching one of his shows or one of his things that he likes to do. He's sitting there. And then Anessa, she disappeared on me, right? And I hear from the back of the house where her room is, Daddy, come see. And I just went, oh, no. Oh, no. Instantly, I just was like, well, let me just find out how bad it is. Nessa, what? No, come see, Dada. She says it again. That gets Isaiah very curious. Isaiah jumps up from the chair, runs to the room. Oh, Dad, you want to come see. I'm like, oh, great. I said, here we go, Judah. I picked up Judah. I walk back to the room, and this is what I see. Go. Are you going to do it? Uh-huh. So I walk back there, and I don't see Nessa. Obviously, I see Nessa jump. I'm going to give you a little disclaimer. Okay, I didn't win as a parent. I was like, hey, do that again, and I'm going to film it this time, right? Like, I don't know why, but I guess that's where dads are like, hey, yeah, that actually worked out for you. I want to see it, and I want to catch it on video, and I'm like, and the whole sta famous statement, don't tell mom, though, you know, like. And she's excited. You really want me to do it again? I'll do it again. She did it. She did it. No problem. 
my middle child, my oldest, Isaiah goes, I want to do it. And I go, really, Bubba, you want to do it. So you're, you're willing to risk jumping off of that as well. Now, Isaiah's like me. I, I don't like heights, right? And so the fact that I don't like heights, like, but I, there's, there's something out there. When you're tall, everyone asks you to climb the ladder. It's like, <laughs> hey, it's a ladder. That's the, the purpose of it is so you can, you know, climb it as yourself. And so, of course, here I'm always dealing with heights. So I, tried, I said, I'm going to flip the script. Like when I'm walking the store and like, hey, can you grab that off the top shelf? I'm going, can you grab that off the bottom shelf for me, right? We're just going to have fun with it. But the reality of, of it is as I... As I went, I said, I don't think he'll do it. So sure enough, I said, okay, Isaiah, go ahead and I'll film it. And so this was me filming Isaiah. Ready, set, go. I got this. No, you can't step on that. You got it. I got this! You can do it! <laughs> you can do it. Jump. Jump, 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 jump. No. Uh-uh. And as you can see, he was very... I think we've all had moments like that, right? This, the title of my sermon today is Worth the Risk. And so when you look at risk, risk is different for every single person, right? Risk for some, for Nessa, jumping off of that little thing into the thing, she, she probably floats a little bit when she falls. Like, that's just how tiny she is. Isaiah's built like me. We fall very hard and hit the ground very hard. So for him, it's like, eh, you know, but... How many times have we been at that moment where we're like, I, I, can, I got this, I can do this, I want to do this. And so today we want to talk to you about discipleship. Um, I think very clearly Jesus said, hey, I want everyone to be an up-close disciple. And so I want to talk about today being a follower of Christ and not a fan of Christ. And so to be a follower of Christ means that we have to understand the risk is worth it. Means that we have to walk into those things. And so I want to look at that through, God, through the greatest commission out there. It's in Matthew 28, 16, 20. They call it the Great Commission, and it reads like this. It says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and, and, and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey every command, to, uh, everything I have commanded you, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so I sit there and I, I read this and I'm going, man, God's calling us for biblical discipleship. He gives us the methods to do it that we're gonna talk about. But biblical discipleship is this. It's the cultivation of kingdom people. You see, it's the process of the body of believers bringing Christians from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity so that they can replicate that process in someone else. So the goal, of God, the goal for God is to have men and women who have been developed over time into the proper representation of the kingdom of which they're a part. So we're part of this other kingdom. 
And I, I loved reading this because as I begin to read it, I, I'm a word person, so words always jump out on me. I'm like, man, I love this, this word or I love what God's saying here. And as I read the Great Commission, I begin to understand something. I begin to understand that Jesus set this meeting up before he even passed. It says right there in verse 16 that he designated a place in Galilee. And so he said, hey, I'm going to have a meeting and I need you guys to be there. You see, he's already gone and conquered the grave in the, the 40 days before the ascension to heaven. He calls this meeting. He calls this meeting for the 11 disciples at the time. He also, uh, there's a portion in the Bible where it talks about, um, according to Matthew, um, did, did I just, my bad. Uh, according to Matthew 15, 6, it says he appeared to 500 brethren at one time. Uh, first, not Matthew, First Corinthians 15, 6, appeared to more than, uh, more than 500 brethren at one time, most who remain until now. So we see there's 11 there, there's 489. And then he says something at the very end of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 20 says, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that means I'm included in this meeting, right? Till the end of the age. And so if I'm included in a meeting about discipleship and what Jesus was saying, because what I love about this is this is the time that Jesus stood up and he spoke and as he became to speak, there's this little tagline because, I, because words catch me. I'm like, why in the Great Commission does it say, and some doubted, right? Like here he is, he's before them, he's conquered the grave. He said everything he was going to do. Then he stands in front of them at the Sea of uh, at Galilee and sure enough, some doubted. And I, I think that's in the Bible because can we be honest? We want to go further with God in our walk with God. We want to move into discipleship. We want to be, join a small group, different things like that. But we always go, will I be accepted? Will, will, will it actually work? We have these doubts instead of jumping into it. And even in the doubts, they still worship God. And then Jesus stands up and he goes, all authority on heaven and in earth has been given to me. You want to know what the translation for that is? I'm in charge now right? I'm in charge. I have all authority, not some authority, not a little bit of authority, but I have all authority and I'm going to give that authority to my up close disciples, not just mere Christians. And so he's going, but what does that look like? Right? Because the reality is, is if we're going to have that authority, there's, there's an imperative that Jesus says, and you see it right at the beginning. He says, I want you to make disciples. Therefore go and make disciples. You have this imperative. It wasn't a suggestion. When I read things, it's therefore go and make. I was like, okay, make is what I need to understand. I got to make disciples because God wants us to make disciples and be disciple makers. And so the, in order for that to happen, I think it's important that we understand we have this imperative and then we have three participles that go around this imperative. So your imperative is make disciples. What I love about um, the Bible is a lot of times, if you'll keep reading, you'll figure out the method of exactly how to do it. Uh, not all the time, but most of the time it's there. And inside this one, we see it. And there's three participles that go around it that we're gonna talk about today. It's the going, the baptizing, and the teaching. But in order for us to really understand that and to be able to grab a hold of that, what it means to make disciples, I think it's important that we know what a disciple is. And so if we're going to make disciples, we first have to be a disciple. You can't make something that you're not. And so in the, in the Greek word, it's called methetes. And back in that time, it was well known. And it was somebody who was following in the footsteps of someone else. 
In Matthew 10, 24, it says, a disciple is not above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher. So how do we become like one? How do, how do we become Christ-like? How do we become a disciple of Jesus Christ? And so I think it has to do with our response and our actions. How do we respond to situations? How do we act whenever we get bad news or whenever someone wrongs us? What are our responses and what are our actions? We can go off of the two, there's two sayings that you may or may not have heard before. One is, what would Jesus do? Right? And the other one is, he would love first. So whenever you are met with something, are you going, what would Jesus do in this situation? Not what what Michelle would do, because that is probably not (laughs) what needs to happen. What would Jesus do? And he would love first. So to break it down a little bit more, I think we need to look at our character and our conduct and our attitude and our actions. That is, so if we look at Romans 5, 3 through 4, it's not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. We have to get our character in check <laughs> through perseverance, through striving for, to, through affliction and through suffering. We ha- what is your character looking like? Is it looking like Jesus? You know, character is defined as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So when people see you, do they see Christ? What's your distinctive qualities? Is it, oh, no, I can't tell her this because she's going to, ooh. Or is it, oh, man, yeah, I can go tell Michelle this because she's going to walk me through it. She's going to, you know, encourage me. She's going to pray for me. She, what is people's responses when they, for your character? Action. Action is defined as the fact or process of doing something typically to achieve an aim. Can I ask you, what's your aim today? Is it to be conformed to the image of Christ? Is it to bring people the salvation message? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and, pay, and gave himself for me. I don't know about you, but I need less of me on a daily basis and more of him. Can I, let me say that again. I need less of me on a daily basis and more of him. Okay, I was just making sure I wasn't alone here. <laughs> I need Jesus. I need him, especially, especially raising these three kids. Guys, I don't know if you've looked around or not, but the world is going crazy. It's going crazy. This world needs people that are in love with Jesus and know what he's done for them and want to share their story. My, what is your response when you're scrolling through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? Is it, how do I love these people? Is it, what would Jesus do? You know, in John 16, 3, it says, have peace. I have said these things to you that in me you have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have already overcome the world. It is risky sometimes to be considered maybe a Christ follower because you might have trials and tribulations. But guess what? He says, have peace. 
because he's already overcome it. Are you trained to think and act like him? That is what we have to do. We have to take a look at our lives and ourselves and go, am I responding like Jesus? Am I loving first? John 13, 24 through 35 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So that, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. That's a great check and balance. If you're not sure, if you're a disciple of Jesus, how are you loving your neighbor? How are you loving your family? How are you loving your kids? How are you loving your boss? How, what, are, what is your response? Because he says, you're not supposed to have affliction. You're not supposed to hold each other's wrongs against them. And maybe not even like your friend, something I just spoke with our students this week about. I'm like, you guys live with each other and I know that there's frustrations, but are you loving them on t- instead of just being irritated that someone didn't take the trash out today? You know? And so are you loving? Jesus possesses all authority and he's given it to us. So we have to go. <laughs> That's the first one. We have to go and the way you go is you evangelize. You have to evangelize. In Matthew chapter 10, it says, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and tell them the Messiah has come. And when he says go, he means take your witness. What has he done for you? What is your story? Something I thought of um, recently, I think it was last week, actually when I was driving up to church, I was like, God, I'm just so thankful for you. Because, you know, my story is that more of God's keeping power. I can't really remember a time that I didn't know Jesus. And for some people that you might be like, wow, that's incredible. And I, growing up, you're like, you're not sure if you really love that as your testimony or you feel like you gotta go and like dabble in the world just to see, you know? You know, so I have a very short-lived part that wasn't exactly submitted to Christ. But let me just say, maybe my best day not submitted to Jesus, my best day, I will take a worse day, completely surrendered to the will of God. A worse day, completely surrendered to Jesus is way better than my best day not submitted to him. I'm just so thankful. I have a hope and a future. There's nothing that alcohol and drugs or anything like that could do, but that's my story. You have to share your story. That is your witness. That is what you have to do to go. We can't get comfortable in a cookie cutter routine. We can't get comfortable with coming to church, going to work, hanging out with our friends. Is Jesus in the conversation? What would Jesus do? He would love first. You know, a a moment of... um, like worry and not wanting to step out, if it can change someone's life, do it. Like one moment of uncomfortability, not being comfortable, pushing the risk, going, I'm gonna just dive in and tell them about Jesus. It could change their life. A little moment of you just being nervous. It's worth it, it's worth it. So real quick, this is something that, um, God put on my heart for this year. And it was to start bringing my Bible to service. Do you remember whenever you did that? <laughs> it was start bringing the word of God with me. 
And let me just say, I am so thankful for a pastor that preaches the word. Come on. Our pastor preaches, y'all. He preaches and he preaches the word of God. I challenge you, bring your Bible, okay? Bring your Bible. Thank God for my third grade teacher. She taught me Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yes, I know all the books of the Bible. Thank God. Because I don't have to use the table of contents because let me just tell you, trying to flip from the scriptures that Pastor Jeff, he's like, okay, we're going here and now we're going here and now we're going here because it's full of the word of God. And it's incredible. But guess what? The reason why he, he put that on my heart to do that is to go home and open it up and write and see what scriptures did Pastor Jeff say this week. Okay, let me write them down on note cards. Let me remember them. Let me apply this to my life. Why? So I can go and be a witness. I can go and be a witness. You're getting fed. You're getting fed. We are getting fed. I am getting fed by the words that Pastor Jeff speaks every Sunday. But are you applying it to your life? Are you jumping in? Are you just going, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. Because listen, you have people, his sister was cheering him on. His dad was cheering him on. It's worth the risk. Take the risk. And so secondly, I would say, so you have the going, and then we have the baptizing. Right, I'm going to give a little plug. If you haven't been baptized, you need to next weekend, March 6th, right? Like, get baptized. Because here's what you're saying whenever you understand what he's saying in the Great Commission to be baptized. What he's saying is it's a public identification. What, it, what you're saying is, hey, I'm in union with Christ, meaning that I'm representing Christ's name. I'm going to carry his name because his name means something. It's your new point of identification. You see, you're a Christian. That means that your identity of, with God comes through a relationship with Christ. Um, Matthew chapter, uh, in Matthew 10, it says this. It says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. I've heard that said so many times. But can we, can we just hold off and go, let's not stop there. Because Jesus is not sitting up there wanting to deny you. It's not like he's got this thing, deny, deny, accept, deny. That's not how he, how he operates, right? Because next, if you read the very next portion of that scripture, it says, if you confess to me before men, I will confess you before my father because my father is, going, is only going to do for you what I agree with. So here's what I need you to understand. When we understand that we're in a union with Christ, what we get is the fact that Christ is going to agree with things that we include him in. You see, a lot of times we're like, God, why didn't you agree with it? And there's times I have to go back, well, God, did I even ask you if it was your will for my life? God, did I even walk into that in a place of where I put you in it at the beginning, right? So therefore, he says, I want you to go as a baptized person, a person married or committed to me. And so I, I, the easiest way for me to describe that is obviously being married to Michelle, right? Like everything Michelle does and everything I do affects each other. I can't just do something and go, oh, it didn't affect her. No, we're one. And so I have to realize if, I, if I'm representing Jesus, everything I do can either give a good name or a bad name of who Christ is. And so I grab a hold of that. And I'm not talking just because we want people to be able to go, hey, now we need you to be able to preach and you be able to do that. No, here's the deal. What I want you to understand is when you represent the name, no matter where you're at, it matters. So for instance, if you're a doctor or a nurse, 
right? You're not just a doctor or a nurse. No, you're God's representative in the medical field. So the medical field gets to see what it looks like when Jesus helps hurting people. Maybe you're a businessman in here, a businesswoman. I need you to understand something. That's not just what you are. You see, you're a businessman or a businesswoman in, in a business arena, in that business field. So therefore, the business world gets to see what it looks like when God cuts a deal, when you operated with the integrity and the character that you needed to. Maybe you're a teacher in here. Can I, can I just say, you're not just a teacher. No, you're God's representative in that classroom. Because that classroom gets to see what it looks like when God teaches a lesson. Because you get to be that Jesus with skin on. Some of those kids will never step foot inside of a church, but you get to be that teacher that all of a sudden they're like, there's kindness about you. There's something different about my teacher. I think all of us have a teacher that we can go to and it's like, he was just different. She was different. And then if maybe you're a home taker. Can I, can I say you're not just a home taker? No, you're God's representative in the home. So that the home gets to see what it looks like when God, when God raises a family. That's what it looks like when we understand that we're in union with Christ. You see, it's all about representing his name. And then lastly, it's teaching. Teaching. I'm talking about applying God's word. So I'm not talking about the scholarly things or sitting down and, you know, teaching a class, sit at your desk. No, Jesus wasn't doing that. When he said it in Matthew 28, 20, he said, and teach them to obey every command, uh, everything I have commanded you. So what he was saying is, hey, I want you to understand that real discipleship is following the example of Christ and applying it to your life. Not just being followers of Christ, but realizing we're going to apply this very thing that Jesus is asking us to apply. What does that look like? I have a great story. Um, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't start serving God until I was really 17 years old. Um, I've now lived and done ministry 17 years. So I've kind of met that middle portion, right? Like, so now, and I was at 15 years old, tragedy is what kind of somewhat drew me to what was happening, what God was doing. And so that tragedy is at 15 years old, my dad died in a car wreck. At that time, I'll fast forward to what happened. So uh, 16 years old, I move up to Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay, I'm completely confused because I went from LA, Los Angeles, California, where every time I wanted to go to a beach, it was easy to go to, all that kind of stuff, to Shreveport, Louisiana, where I get off the plane and you know, you're, you're here, you move here and you go to the grocery store and they're telling, people are saying, I love you. And I'm like, you don't even know me. <laughs> like, you know, they're saying y'all. I'm like, what does that mean? You all, like, you know, like they're saying things that just don't make sense to me. And I'm just going, what, in, what is going on? What is, what is this? And then I found out very quickly that, especially in Shreveport, but I think here too, most people go to church on Sundays. Okay, that was, that was weird to me. I was like, just everyone goes to church on Sundays? Like, this is a thing that you do? Like, we just go and like, that's, that's, that's how it's gonna be? And so my brother-in-law at the time decided to bring me to the most Pentecostal church you could ever go to because he thought, oh, if Paul's going to experience this, I want him to experience it to extreme. And I walk into this auditorium with them um, and we're there and worship starts and everything. And then there's people right next to me just falling down. I'm just going, what is going on? I did not understand it, right? Like I had no context of what God was doing, gifts of the spirits or anything like that. Other people are speaking in languages they can't understand. I just looked at him and I said, hey, I'm out. Like, I just can't do this. Like, I don't understand it. There was no description of it. I didn't understand it. And so therefore I walked out 
of that service, and I went, God, I don't know if I'm, if I'm a churchgoer. Like, how do I do this, right? Like, what is this about? And there was one thing that my dad always instilled inside of me. From a very young boy, every time we drove past someone on the side of the road, we stopped. It, 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 I know you can't do it nowadays, because every time inside of me when I pass someone, I want to stop. But the reality is, is we would stop, and we fixed cars all the time. Um, sometimes my dad was doing magic to make it work. I don't know how he did it, right? Like we changed more tires than I can count. Uh, we brought people to gas stations, whatever we had to do to make sure that they weren't stuck on the side of the road. He said, see a need, meet a need. And so here I am that had that church experience Sunday, Monday morning, I'm riding my bike around the neighborhood. I pass up a guy that has a U-Haul. I pass him up and instantly I'm like, he needs help. Like, I'm watching him, you know, take this thing down at U-Haul. I'm like, he needs help. So I turn my bike around. I come and I said, hey, you don't know me. I live around the, around the block. Um, I'm, I'm a strong, young, able man. I don't mind helping. Do you mind if I help you? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Come on, help. I was like, man, you're, it's just people are friendly here, right? I, I phrased it that way because in California, I feel like they would have just been like, what is wrong with you? You're you trying to steal everything from me? Like, you know, like, but no, he was like, come on, here, here's the box. He handed it to me. I walked in, I brought that box to where it was going. And um, we ended up bringing everything to the garage. And I was like, maybe I was like, hey, you know, like you're double working yourself. Like I'm more than capable to get it through a door. Like I can help you out with this. Right. But he was like, no, we're going to put everything in the garage because it's a fixer upper house and we need to sand the cabinets and we need to do some things there. And so I said, okay, um, that's, that's okay. And so I said, well, can I help you with that? And so the next week, I ended up being at this guy's house sanding his cabinets. I didn't know the impact of what God was doing in that moment like I do now. The name of the person was David Logan. David and Becky Logan are very intricate in a lot of things here with inside of the Assemblies of God and here at, um, you know, in, in Louisiana. They were grown up in the house of a minister David looked at me and I said, I said, David, what, what do you do for a living? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm moving here to start a home church. I was like, so that's a thing now? Like we just start church at home? Like that's how this works? Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. And so sure enough, but he's like, hey, Paul, next Sunday, would you come join us for our home church? And it was me and a couple of people. And we sat at this, in his living room and he began to break down the word of God. He began to pray. He began to sing songs of worship because he played a guitar. I found out that he adopted some kids. And I began to go, I want this. How do I get discipleship in my life? You see, I, I didn't know what the other stuff was, but I knew that this was something that was so practical, something that I could grab a hold of. And David began to explain it to me, and then I began to ask him, is there things? And he mentioned some master's commissions and everything. So I was like, oh, this is my ticket back to California because I looked up online, and there you go, master's commissions in California. A, a discipleship school. All those doors closed. And I'll show you how unspiritual I was at the time, right? All those doors closed. There was one right there. Um, right next to us, 15 minutes away, they actually had a master's commission there, but it was the first church I went to. So I wasn't going there. It wasn't going to happen, right? Like, I didn't understand it. The next one was the address. It was Rocky Branch Master's Commission, and the address was Farmerville, Louisiana. It did not go further than that. I was just like, I'm not listening. Farmerville, Louisiana is not an option. The last one was right here in Lafayette, Louisiana at Crossroads Church. I looked up the service times. There was four services. You believe that, right? So there was one on Saturday. There was three on Sunday. And so I got a hotel, got my sister to drive down. I sat up in the balcony over there um, as Pastor Jeff preached the first message. I gave my heart to Jesus. 
Got to the second message the next morning. I came, I was like, he's definitely going to preach a different message. You know, there's a different crowd, right? Like you preach to four different people because you're trying to appease the congregation. That's what I'm thinking, right? He preaches the same exact message. He gets to the altar call. I give my heart to Jesus again. Okay, this is great. <laughs> I've been saved twice now, right? Like we get to the third time. Um, I've already walked around the church. We do it. And sure enough, he gets to the message, gets to the altar call, and you wouldn't believe it, I did it again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not going to fill out the card this time. I've already got two in there. Right? Like, and so I, but, then, but then the last time, he did it, and he preached one more time. And at the end of that one, I, as I, of course, gave my heart to Jesus again, I felt something inside of me. I said, I want a heart for people like that man right there on that stage. And so I walked down there. And I met Pastor Jeff that Sunday, and I said, hey, I heard you have a school here. I want to be able to be a part of your school. And he instantly introduced me to Sean Marcel. And Sean Marcel um, took a thing that he had us travel the country and speak. And in traveling the country and speak, it was a statement that today has shaped the culture of who I am inside my home, inside my own walk with God. And it goes like this. part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. I won't let slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense, and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, Sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, or popularity. And I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, and now uplifted by prayer and labored by power. My pace is set, my gait is fast. My goal is heaven, my road is narrow. My way rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder in the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am the till comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You see, the, pro the thing I want you to understand is there's a difference between getting, the getting into the word and letting the word get into you. You see, there's that difference. I allowed these things to shape me and mold me to who I am today. And so I, I grabbed a hold of it. And so through, so what I want you to understand is through teaching, Jesus is saying people are worth the risk. So I'll take it back to a question, is who in your life 
is, are you, is right there with you that you can maybe have them help you sand cabinets with a bigger meaning, right? I want you to watch one more video that I didn't show yet. Go. <laughs> the pure excitement that Isaiah had, right? Because he knew that cost him something. He knew that was not easy for him. But at the same time, you also heard his sister saying, Isaiah, you can do it. And if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'll jump in front of you just to show you that you can do it. You can do it because it matters. It matters that he was going to push past the limitations that he had because he wanted to accomplish something. You saw the pure excitement and you also saw the loving father. I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I was excited for Isaiah. Man, I was so excited. You can do it. And I'll flip the script on you. You're wondering, can I go further inside my walk with God? Can I push myself further? Hey, Jesus is saying, you can do it and I believe in you. Because if you think you're unworthy, go read God's word, it says you're worthy. If you think you're not enough, God says you're more than enough. You were my creation. I created you for a purpose and a reason. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Jeff Abels and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, if you cannot honestly say you've been living for God and you know that needs to change, I wanna invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on Him. Why don't you call on Him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me. I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God. And I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Through faith in Jesus, I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, Come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, My sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. 
What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today, and God richly bless you is our prayer for you.